0: Wired
1: access.
0: Fly, fly.
1: Yeah. The wired access.
0: We'll do it live. Do it live.
1: The ballpark that's being built is being built for you guys carousels, inflatables, basketball courts, woofle ball fields. So, without any further ado, are you guys ready? The Omaha Storm
0: Chasers! I can't think of an individual who's done more for this city, more for another city That will than our great featured guest of the day, Mr. Marty
1: Cordero, who is the general
0: manager and president of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Anytime.
1: Hey, I'm Marty Cordero. I'm president for the Omaha Storm Chasers, you know, pro sports mecca for the entire state of Nebraska. I did Storm Chasers and Union Omaha. Thank you so much for this award as the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce 2014 Business Leader of the Year. The Omaha Storm Chasers, a AAA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. Everyone knows and loves them. They've been around for a long time. A lot of Storm Chasers fans. Union Omaha, which is a relatively new a pro soccer club. So with us is Marty Cordero. He's club president for the combined teams. Wired Access. We're we'll doing live.
2: Welcome, everybody. You're joining Wired Access. We're here with Wired Training Center owner Brian Southworth, myself, Kendall Wickwire. We have the Omaha Storm Chasers and the Union Omaha president, Marty Cordero. How are you doing today and tonight with Union Omaha playing in a tournament that is the first time in Nebraska as the oldest ongoing national soccer competition in the United States, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. How did you get involved in that?
1: Kendall, first off, good evening, Brian. Thanks for having me tonight. Uh, U.S. Open Cup was on hiatus the last couple of years due to covid and uh, it's brought back, and we're we're engaged in it uh, because of our standing in the USL League 1 after winning the league championship last year. We received a bye into the second round, and we're playing Des Moines Menace, as you mentioned, and uh, we'll get kicked off here from Morrison in about uh, 35 minutes, so we're really excited. It's the first U.S. Open Cup match in Nebraska history, as you mentioned, and of course, with our franchise just being three years old, this is the first year that we've played in it ever as well, so we're really uh really anticipating uh, a great match tonight uh, by the Union Omaha squad led by J-Mims and uh, we'll see what the draw uh, we'll see what the draw brings us tonight in competition. Well
2: and of course Marty my biggest thing here is to open up maybe some of our listeners to understand first of all how did you get soccer at this level to come to Omaha? That's first of all second of all did you expect the success that you're having right now?
1: I First off, we'll go with how it got here. Uh, Gary Green, our CEO and and principal owner of of both the Storm Chasers and Union Omaha, uh, he and I and some of our other owners were looking at uh, professional basketball back in 14, 15, 16. And, you know, we considered the G League um, after the NBA approached us to uh, consider uh, operating a club here in the Metro. And due to some business metric changes and uh, some ownership changes related to how the NBA wanted their G League clubs to operate. You know, we, we backed out of that, uh, those conversations and really turned our attention to soccer and Gary Green really has, he has completely uh, jumped with uh, both feet uh, and, and everything in Uh, he's been all over the world looking at soccer clubs and and watching uh, soccer matches and, and March the supporter groups. And I, I really have to give Gary credit where credit's due and, He looked at the NASL, and uh, he quickly realized in his uh, professional business opinion that the NASL was uh, probably not the league that we wanted to play in from a financial solvency perspective, and he was right. Within 18 months after first looking at it, the NASL was out of business, and that's when we turned our attention to the USL, the USL fastest growing uh, professional sports league in North America and, and possibly in the world, adding anywhere from four to seven new professional franchises each year over the last 10 years. Uh, It's a franchise. It's a, it's a, it's a, league of rapid growth. And that's what we looked at. So, uh, you know, we we had conversations uh, with some MLS clubs uh, probably you're looking at in the 16, 17 range. And then in 2018, uh, that's when we landed on becoming an independent franchise that was going to play in league one. And we announced on May 1st, 2019. So there's a, there's a pretty quick history of, of how we got here. But, you know, soccer is something that, um, has, is, is growing nationally. It's the fastest growing sport in North America right now. And, you know, the, the success on the field is not something that I guess I would have expected from day one, but coach Mems put together an amazing squad, even during the pandemic year, finishing in second place. Uh, arguably at the time was playing the best soccer uh, of any team in the league, but we weren't able to to play Greenville on the pitch uh, so we didn't know if we could beat them for the second time in two matches that year, but we finished second and then last year for the most part went wire to wire first place regular season and then you know just really dominated uh, in the playoffs winning six one and then three nil over greenville and uh, you know it's it's great to be the defending champs, but you know, the regular season starts this Saturday night at Madison for USL League One for us, and then our home opener is on the 23rd. So, we'll see. You know, we'll see what year three brings. And we're really, uh, we're really fortunate to have a great fan base uh, at Warner Park for soccer as well, leading the league uh, in season tickets sold.
2: Well, and and what I really like is no one would ever think baseball, soccer, same field, same atmosphere when it comes to the fans, what has building Warner since 2011 given you guys this opportunity to be able to combine sports but also be able to produce the fact that it's something that people want to come support and watch?
1: Yeah, you know, um, if if we weren't at Warner Park, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think that's a really good point you bring up, Kendall. You know, we we focus on... Now the 75 Storm Chaser home games. It has been 70 over the years, but now it's 75 with the new agreement we have with Major League Baseball. And um, you know, if we if we weren't at Warner Park, we wouldn't be able to do 200 plus special events now. You know, having another uh, partner with Union Omaha, you know, playing uh, at Warner as 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 the home uh, facility. But I, one one thing I disagree with you on the atmosphere is dramatically different. It's <laughs> – you know we have some crossover from baseball to soccer and, and vice versa, but for the most part it's a it's a completely different atmosphere fan base, smoke bombs, loud music, drums, chants i mean it's it it is it's soccer, and it's something that I have become educated uh, uh, about and i'm I'm slowly becoming more educated each day and and becoming more of a soccer. Uh, um, executive if you will and 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 definitely a fan of the game and uh, it's been great to see the growth here in the metro
2: well and you talk about the atmosphere and I think one thing when you look at the atmosphere that you said is a little bit different have you heard of a team called the Savannah Bananas
1: I have yeah Jesse Cole someone I know on the periphery and and you know Jesse's done an amazing job with that club and you know, we're all connected somehow. That was actually the first minor league GM job I was offered back in 2003. And my wife, Sarah, and I decided not to move there. Uh, Grayson Stadium is a – it's a gem, but it's a gem from uh, 1900. I mean, it's it's old. <laughs> what Savannah has done with um, the creativity, uh, having fans pick the lineup, you know, uh, if a player hits a foul ball – and a, and, a, and a fan catches it in in you know certain innings uh, it's an out you know there's 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 a variety of fun things they've done so if your listeners haven't uh if they haven't heard of Savannah Bananas, they should google them and go on YouTube and see some of the videos it's it's it, it's a It's an amazing success story
2: yeah, I think one of the things that I really like to notice and i mean it even i think made e s p n last week is they brought on i think a seventy year old pitcher like onto it. And so I think, I think just the atmosphere that you're constantly trying to create, to bring people has to relate to so many different ways. And what do you think is probably one of the hardest things to attract people for baseball? And one of the things that's hardest to attract people for soccer?
1: Yeah. You know, in the market, I'll start with soccer in the market for soccer. It's just that, you know, it, it hasn't, it's not one of the core four, you know, it's, it's not football, baseball, basketball, hockey you know it's not one of the core four and it's growing but there's still there's still a lot of growth for it to become truly mainstream and i do believe in 2026 when the world cup comes here now and i know the world cup has been here before but in 2026 when it's here uh you know it's a different age social media age the access uh, to to, to watching video I i think that's probably you know our biggest challenge is making it where there are, you know, the casual sports fan or the casual entertainment fan will come out to a soccer game. Right now, it's a lot of hardcore soccer fans, a lot of corporate support. So we're working on that. On the baseball side, quite honestly, I just think baseball needs to get out of its own way. That's our biggest challenge in baseball, just to be frank with you. You know, uh, MLB player and the Players Association and the owners, you know, what they just went through from December 1st up until a couple weeks ago you know, doesn't do anyone in the baseball industry any favors. And while I understand that they have to have a working collective bargaining agreement that they both feel is fair, um, things like that continue to drag baseball down. Baseball had an opportunity when NFL had their problems five years ago, didn't really seize that opportunity. You know, baseball has seen uh, a a surge of young uh, young players, 21 to 23 years old, amazing talent, and they're—they are. I have to give them credit. They're finally starting to market those players, but I don't know that—you know—I don't know that they're putting them out there quickly enough. And and how much engagement and interaction will be with those players? It's hard. You know, when you play every single night in baseball, that's one of that's one of baseball's from a marketing perspective challenge. The access is just not there. With other sports, you don't play every night. And it's easier to do social media chats. It's easier to do live streams. It's easier to do appearances. In baseball, you're playing every night. So that, that is a challenge to baseball.
2: Well, and, and as we talk about baseball, let's go back to where all this began for you. Obviously, if you look at your past and where you began, obviously, you know, you weren't afraid to start at one of the low positions of being a sales representative. What did that teach you? To bring you to where you are today, back when you were with the West Tennessee Diamond Jacks, a Double A team for Chicago Cubs.
1: Yeah, way way back when. Good question. And honestly, what that that taught me was about relationship. Whether it's a relationship with your client, with your sponsor, with your ticket buyer, uh, and hitting them head on when there's an issue, not just when things are going well, but just you know telling people what they need to hear. Not what they want to hear, and that's one of the most difficult things for a young sales rep. I was visiting one of our sales reps last week about it, and then this week they came to me and they're like, "Aha! I I understand what you're talking about now. I get that. I I, I did that. I thought it was going to be a difficult conversation, and we worked through things. So that that's that's probably what I learned most It's just about being being authentic, being real, and and yeah, I, you know, I started making six hundred dollars a month. I double A for the Chicago Cubs and my three year old and i we we moved from Louisiana to Tennessee, and you know that's where I started my career and, and started at the at the ground level or the basement level, depending on what you want to call it and you know I've worked my way around from from Tennessee to Alabama to Michigan, uh, and then obviously been in Nebraska for fifteen years now and it's it's become home. We love it here
2: and, and speaking of coming home or making this the home, what brought you to Omaha out of all the baseball? destination places you can go
1: yeah well, you know when I was hired uh from Birmingham Alabama which was double a White Sox in 2000 and let's see that was 2004 so when I was hired for the 05 season to Battle Creek Michigan that was my first GM job when I was in Battle Creek the ownership group that I was working for there was led by a gentleman by the name of Alan Stein. Alan Stein and his partners bought the Omaha Royals And after two years in Michigan, they end up transferring me to Omaha. So that's how I got here. And then the group that Allen Stein uh, led here um, ended up selling the club to Gary Green in 2012. And I stayed on after that transaction. So that's how I ended up here. My wife and I, we thought we would be here four to six, five to six years. Um, That would have been a long stay considering we were four years, two years, and two years. Uh, But um, yeah, 15 years has been a great run. We've been very fortunate.
2: Well, and, you know, as you make this run, what do you feel your biggest contribution was to create Omaha Storm Chasers to who they are today? Because obviously in your time, you have seen names like the Golden Spikes and the change of the atmosphere and have to bring it back around to Storm Chasers. What what do you feel you've added to that?
1: Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest... Um, impact, I guess I've never been asked that question before, would be the fact that we ended up getting baseball figured out, pro baseball figured out for the metro area. You know, uh, we, it was pretty apparent that we weren't going to play, uh, in the downtown stadium, uh, both from a standpoint of just, fit, just fin- financial obligations and, and just, you know, what the business deal meant to our organization and franchise, as well as, not being included in decisions like design and operations. So we quickly realized we really weren't wanted either. So, you know, we thought we were leaving town and there, was a thir- there were 13 other communities around the country that wanted us to visit with them. We did visit with a number of them. Uh, Sarpy County happened by chance. Uh, I was introduced to County Attorney Lee Polakoff the same week that Alan Stein was, uh, ended up having a flight delayed in Memphis trying to go back to Louisville and he met Mark Wayne, the then uh, County administrator. And that's when conversation started. That was February of 08. And we ended up getting a deal done. So, you know, I, I take great pride in being able to, you know, keep the team here and and making Warner park a reality. Because again, as I said earlier, not only would the storm chasers not here, be here, you wouldn't have all the special events. You wouldn't have all the community impact and and you wouldn't have pro soccer playing here in the Metro right now.
2: Well, here's one thing that I want to ask you as far as if you look at the factor of what the Omaha storm chasers is being a minor league team that helps players develop to get them further. How do you feel that reflects to how should that reflect to the local area? And because everybody probably was looking for Bobby Witt to come here, but we knew he is a major leaguer. Some of that bothers me, but it also is part of the game, right?
1: You know, it is part of the game. And, you know, that's one of the challenges on the baseball side is, you know, we really, we really don't have any impact uh, related to uh, player personnel decisions that the Royals do because they're the Royals uh, players. But from, from a development, you know, we take, you know, we take what we do serious from a standpoint of, you know, we want to provide an environment. Whether it's the clubhouse, whether it's a clubhouse attendant, you know, whether it's the music, whether it's you know the quality of the field, uh, you know, whether it's you know when we are able to do community appearances, which finally we're able to do those again this year, and we want to make sure it's a positive experience all the way around. So when a player such as Bobby Witt Jr. or Eric Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, Salvador Perez, and we could go on and on and on over the past nine to ten years, so when they get to Kansas City, they are not professionals, because they've been playing professional baseball, but they are major league ready, you know, from that standpoint. But, you know, the Royals, you have to give credit where credit's due, you know, the Royals have done a great job of of scouting, uh, drafting, and developing players. You know, if they had not been, they wouldn't have won a World Series. And, you know, right now having the number three ranked farm system and the number one overall player uh, in minor league baseball, and I guess not for long, once Bobby makes his debut on, on Thursday, you know, he's obviously not going to be a minor league player anymore. So, you know, they've done an amazing job, and I, I can't wait to see what the next few years um, um, uh, play out. But, you know, talking about training and talking about atmosphere, I think all of us as a community, you know, play a part in, you know, providing opportunities for, for students from an academics perspective and then young people from a sports perspective, you know, and training for sports you know, you're training for life, you know, you're not just training, you know, to, for competition on the field, but, you know, we are, per, you know, we are, we are preparing young people uh, for for future. So that's something all of us community members really need to, really need to remember. And, you know, whether it's when we're driving down the road and, you know, practicing, you know, proper driving and safe driving, or, you know, whether we're in the classroom or whether, you know, you're, when you're with young people giving different examples.
0: How do you guys balance, you know, talking about developing and trying to get them to the next level? You know, what kind of conversations are you having with your managers about, you know, balancing the need to win and and put a good product on the field and get the fans in or, you know, more so developing them for their next role? It sounds like you guys take a a multi-tier approach, you know, developing for interviews or appearances, but also, uh, you know, producing on the baseball field. What kind of conversations do you guys have about that?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, on the baseball side, it, it's not as much as it is on the soccer side. And I'll give some examples in a second on soccer. But baseball, really, again, you know, we don't have a lot of direct, you know, our, our engagement is really indirect related to their specific, um, you know, whether whether it's be sports psychology or whether it's, you know, from a community perspective, you know, it really is more topical on the surface. On the soccer side, it is different. Uh, and, and I'll cite, you know, our relationship with Bellevue University and Mary Hawkins, you know, it, it, we've had a long-standing partnership at Warner Park with them, and then in conversation about a year and two months ago, you know, we started having a conversation of taking what we have done here, and that's providing continuing education opportunities for our players at Bellevue University. I'm going to say our players are soccer players. We now have we have taken that now, and Bellevue University is now the national. Um, education, official education partner for the USL. And I think that's a great example of, you know, these soccer players aren't going to play soccer forever physically. You know, they're going to have to do something else in their career, whether they go on to become a coach or they go on to work in a front office or they do something completely out of the game. And that's something that Coach Mims in our organization have um, identified as really important things that we can do to continue to develop them as young men. And, um, you know, that's something that's important, but, you know, getting the players back out in the community in this post, uh, recovery time, time frame is really important as well, because, you know, we, we haven't been able to do that for, for quite some time.
2: Well, and as you say in this recovery, what have you learned in these past two years that will push you forward in the future compared to some other businesses that are just going backwards and having struggled to get to where they want to be?
1: Great. Exa- it's a great question. Uh, and it's different for both sports. You know, baseball was closed for 609 days uh, from the end of the 19 season to the delayed beginning of the 2021 season. So, you know, that recovery is is long. But when you start a new business, you obviously project a couple of years losses. Um, but you generally don't start a new business during a pandemic. So soccer is dramatically different. You know, we, we've got a, a lot of work you know, left still to do on the soccer side. We've got a lot of support, uh, but I would say to answer your question, you know, it's learned, we, we've we've learned to be more efficient. You know, it's made us uh, internally really um, review uh, from all of our softwares and our systems and our subscriptions, what's truly important uh, to the business to become more efficient with, with our expenses. And then it really goes back to one of the first questions that you, I don't know if it was Brian or Kendall that asked me, what did I learn in Jackson, Tennessee? And it was relationships. And it, it really reminded us how important the relationships are with those partners and sponsors that are around us. And, you know, we took the 2020 season and 2021 to either, either, you know, deepen those relationships or reestablish them.
2: Now I'm going to get you out of here on this. Cause I know you guys have a game coming up. You got to go root for union Omaha. I'm going to get you out of here on these two things. First of all, how can people find out about the upcoming season for both? And what's the, and then lastly, do you still play drums? <laughs>
1: I. What do you want me to answer first? I'll answer That's the up to you. First. There we go. Okay. I do still play drums. Yeah. I'm playing uh, in, in a couple of local cover bands. Uh, the strange pleasures is a, is a classic rock slash jam band. They've been around for about 30 years here in the Metro area and, we are resurfacing just booked a gig in bodegas in lincoln and we've got five or six other gigs here at the metro area so strange pleasures find us on facebook and then the other band is the drawing board uh and we don't play quite as often that's more alternative rock classic rock and uh we're, we're playing at the ballpark later this summer and we just recently did a fundraiser for partnership for kids and deb dimbeck's group but yeah i play drums i guess it's my stress relief and uh I miss it. I miss it a lot, uh, but it's been good the last couple of years to get back playing. play. Now back to real business. Uh, <laughs> Omaha, Omaha OmahaStormChasers.com is the best spot, or our Facebook and Twitter follows. Those are probably the best spots for up-to-date promotional information, upcoming games. Uh, right now, uh, first pitch, I believe, just happened in uh, Indianapolis as we just kicked off uh, uh, the 2022 season. And home opener is a week from tonight at Warner Park as we welcome the Louisville Bats. So for all that information, uh, Omaha Storm Chasers will be the best spot. And then for Union Omaha, same, unionomaha.com, and then our Facebook and our Twitter pages, and that's where we do our updated information. And uh, home opener for Union Omaha is April 23rd. We're really excited about that. It's a bolt-out night, and bolt is one of our colors. It's a really bright greenish-yellow color. We're, in, we're really encouraging fans to wear that as we raise the 2021 USL League One Championship banner and we'll pass out the championship rings to the returning players and coaching staff so a lot on tap at Warner Park this month uh, you know then we head into May and, and as the season goes on uh, we've got our first year of partnership with University of Nebraska Omaha uh, as uh, we welcome the state baseball finals 100% here for class A and B here in the metro area and that will be in May and you know, away we go all the way through September and October for for baseball, and then and then and then soccer in October. So it's going to be a great year at the ballpark. And if people haven't been out since twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen due to the pandemic, we really really encourage them to to come try us out.
2: Well, once again, we are with the Union Omaha president, Omaha Storm Chasers president Marty Cordera. We appreciate you joining us tonight and giving us some of your time before we get to hear "Go Union and Win." that tournament you have a safe night and thank you again
1: kendall brian really appreciate what you're doing for the community and uh, and i'm uh i'm really appreciative of of allowing me to come on tonight so you guys have a great night we'll see you at the ballpark
0: thank you
2: all right so brian obviously being in the baseball game what do you think having a triple a team this close to you does it help business does it all right like Have you ever thought about how you can relate it and kind of, you know, obviously you're growing and and you're not staying still. I mean, if you were, you would not be where you were to are today in this nice facility, but like how far do you want it to go?
0: Yeah. I mean, no, having them right across the street, it, It can't hurt. I mean, just any any chance you can increase the awareness of the game and and get those kids to the game. I know like one year I was coaching my little team and we did the I think it was called the field of dreams. thing There where they look up to it. Yeah. I mean, they got to run on the field during like the national anthem and stuff. And, you know, I mean, anytime those kids can see those guys and, and build relationships with those players and like, oh, man, like. I could be that guy sometime, you know, or, or anything like that. I I think it's pretty cool and and pretty special for those kids. And, you know, obviously that in turn, like gets them motivated to work hard and and come see us. So
2: kind of like what, when we went to talk to Jojo when he was talking about the NFL players he was around, he's like, right now they're looking like they're, they're, you know, the men you want to be, be the Superman, the, the heroes. But then you come to find out, man, they're so, and the reason I bring this up is because I don't know if you know, but the, the local um, select team here, Storm Chasers, Papillion Storm Chasers in the city. They get to play there with their 14U, right? Absolutely. I could tell you, like, for us, we're like geeking out about it, right? We're like, we never had this opportunity to play at a
0: triple A stadium. I mean, you just walk it. The grass is just different. It's yes. like nothing you experienced the before. The bullpen, like, all that. Holy cow, like the ball doesn't take bad hops every time I get a ground ball. I mean, it's just pristine. They do a great job taking care of the field. It's pretty cool.
2: So when they allow these kids in there, what do you think some of the kids' responses are? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, I asked a few, like when Kendall got to do it, in Latin, and, and of course he got to do it two years ago when it was COVID time. So obviously – the Storm Chasers reached out to programs all over. They offered, offered, offered. Because if you're not going to have major or minor league in there, why not use the facility? But what do you think some of their reaction. You think they're the same as us? Like me and you were geeking out. We're like, yes.
0: Yeah, without a question. I mean, it's got to be one of the coolest memories of their of their like playing career. But the
2: worst part is, is when I talk to the kids, at least in the moment, right, afterwards, it almost was like it was just another game. But I think it's one of those, like, hidden gems where you're like man i actually got to do it like in front of parents you might not go yeah i got to play there but like where where do you think was that's the cool- just
0: your typical 14 year old response <laughs> that doesn't want to talk you to Mean like, parent. they're like wh- what do you do at school nothing, nothing. what'd yeah. you eat nothing. nothing that there's no chance like i mean i i've seen a lot of kids and, and had good relationships with and and also you know i see it on the reverse end of you know high school kids like like he talked about playing the state championship there and you know it is something you never forget i i played at warner um in the state tournament game in high school and that's like one of the few games i remember playing like on their field and stuff so those are the memories that don't really go away um and i think only kind of motivate you for the future and um it's pretty cool
2: now do you think like obviously you have those big tournaments around the college world series and of course, the College World Series used to be connected with the storm chases where they played Rosenblatt, and you have these big tournaments. Do you, like, do you think these teams come in because they want to be around the environment, or is it just something where they just come because they want to play in a big tournament?
0: No, I mean you don't get any teams traveling to Omaha outside of the College World Series. You know, we were just talking about this this weekend. I mean. It, there's tons of Nebraska teams that travel out to like Des Moines and Kansas, Kansas city, city. Yeah. but very rarely do you see teams from Des Moines or Kansas city come to Omaha outside of the college world series. I mean, that's, that's the draw. I mean, there is 600 plus teams playing all the time and, and, you know, going and, and going to those games and sitting in the, the outfield. I mean, that's the draw going to those games, seeing those players going to the autograph session You know, I mean it's
2: I like that they practice at some of the local high schools. I I think those moments are things, like you said, it it continues to bring up memories. And and while we talk about memories, I don't know. I think one of my favorite yesterday was my son has a job, Kendall, you know, and he actually wanted me to order him cards. Now they're not baseball, but he has baseball too. But wanted me to order him some cards. I haven't ordered cards since a long time ago, right? So I'm like, what brand? And he tells me the brand. So then I'm one that I want to research. I want to see what they're come up with. But I tell you, when that box came in and this kid opened him up, like I felt the kid moment kind of like you're talking about with these moments that they have at these fields. Like it's so surreal because you lived it and you think some of these have kind of faded away. But I slowly see some of these coming back. What do you think is some of the things that you're going to enjoy with? Obviously, you have an 8U team, very young but there's so many memories you get to make and and you got decisions to make coming up of, do we go to this tournament, that tournament? Is it a challenge? Are we making them learn? You know, like, what are some of these moments that, you know, that you're like, man, I remember these as kids, but how can I reflect to
0: it 20 years later? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, that's a tough question because, you know, when you look at honestly like travel baseball as a whole, it's like a pretty bad investment. I mean, you're you're spending thousands of dollars to travel to these tournaments. Um, And there's just not a ton of money on the back end of, you know, college baseball. And, you know, obviously, if you make pro baseball, you can get paid outside the minors. But, um, you know, I think then you got to look at like investing those memories, you know, and and how many places, you know, how many times like you were taking my kid to the Wisconsin Dells this year. And everyone that's told me is like, you know, plan on playing your worst baseball of the year at the Wisconsin Dells because your kids are going to be at the water park all day um, and doing everything else. But you know how many times you just get to spend seven hours with your kid trapped in a car, talking to him, spending time with him, staying in the same hotel room with him and, and doing everything like that. It's, it's those memories that that's worth investing in and, and spending time with them and, and doing those things and, you know, showing them some opportunities that they probably wouldn't get. See, outside I, of baseball the past two years there's there's
2: one thing that has really hit me hard with the COVID is there's moments that we wanted to do and and we were supposed to go down to arizona the past two years um once with the storm chasers and then once with the tigers um for his 14 year for his last year and because of COVID, the first year was because that's when it happened and everything canceled and as we heard with marty you know the season canceled like, it's it's hard to see in a kid's eye to go, I had this trip where I got to possibly meet some MLB players because I don't know if you know, but there was a pitcher, and I forget the kid's name, but he uh, threw a ball at Coors Field at their speed yeah. thing, and he got picked up by the athletics. Well, his aunt is the resource officer at the middle school here locally, and so she was going down there, so we were trying to hook – them up with possibly meeting some players. So you get to talking about it. You're like, here's the experience. Boom, the world happens. Over. We get to this next year. We caught COVID, though, two weeks before we were supposed to go. And, of course, that canceled just us going, but the team went, like, are those things that you're looking for and what would be a right age to do those type of things like getting around the MLB players at like a spring training and stuff like that. And obviously this year, if that was your plan and the year started later, you probably missed if you were in the first set of those games, you know, if you're in the first couple of weeks, because they do them week after week after week. But if you miss those moments where those players are like, what is the
0: age that you're going to go look for those? I mean, we like my kid is eight and you know, I mean, He's ecstatic. He's collecting baseball cards. He knows all those people. You know, I have a lot of kids on my team. I mean, I don't think it's ever too early. I mean, get them to the baseball game, introduce them to the sport. You know, obviously they got to be able to communicate and like understand who they are and everything. But I mean, there's a lot of seven, eight year olds. I know that that would be ecstatic to beat these players. And then there'd be some seven, eight year olds that have no clue, you know, but I mean, start them young, get them involved in the game, take them to games. I mean, you know, I mean, just be outside, eat a hot dog, you know, I mean, introduce them to sport. I think it's, it's all great.
2: Now, uh, if you could compare stadiums around here, have you been to Warner, right? Yep. Have you been to the downtown TD Ameritrade or the new name? I think it's Charles Schwab, the Chuck, the Chuck. Have yep. you been there? Yep. What is your favorite environment? If you really, and now have you been to, I mean, obviously you've been to uh been the hay market hay market yeah. if you went those three the only one i haven't been to is actually in Haymarket. i've been outside like after a spring game and watched them play i love it but i want to i need to get in there what would be your go-to with an 8u kid to show them the game that close
0: Nebraska baseball by far you know just um just the ability to sit in the berm and, and like I've taken my baseball team down to Nebraska baseball games a couple of times. And, you know, before after the game, they're high five in the players on the berm. They walk right by. The access to the players at Nebraska baseball is the best. You know, and the professional like storm chasers, they do a great job, but you know, those players aren't going out of their way. It's a job. It's a job to them. I mean, and and there's a lot of
2: Every time they step on the field they're trying to earn to get to the
0: next they level. They are getting paid and you know it's it's more job. Like college is just a little different. I mean, they're they're getting a scholarship but they're not getting a paycheck. You know, most of them are pretty comfortable in their role. They're not moving up and down the organization. Um I think it's just uh, you know, they're still like younger kids and it's just different and it, you know, the honestly the Nebraska baseball players have been so great to my team and and given autographs and taking pictures with them and it's it's been a pretty cool experience. I mean, you're right there, right with the team in the berm. I don't know if the storm chasers have that same thing. They
2: do. It's it's not, but the players are like you said, they're a little bit further away. Yeah, you know, because they know where they need to be. Um, they know that the interaction could and then they're throwing balls in the berm. I think one of my favorites is when you can they do things called like pantry nights so you you grab a few cans you get a free ticket a berm ticket and i'm gonna be honest i'm like you i like the biggest thing that i like about warner and obviously i haven't been to Haymarket, is just the view it's all open it's all there you don't feel like you're you're overcrowded or you're over like you don't have obviously the big building on the outside to show that you're a big stadium but you still get the feel of knowing that these are like you said paying athletes paid athletes. And these are, you know, guys who, you know, love the game, you know, and the, and and they do throw up balls, they throw up foul balls and stuff like that. But I I think the
0: hay market is one I got to go to. Yeah. I mean, you got to think, I mean, that, that's how those guys support their family. That's how they're feeding their family. And, you know, there's someone in double A that's trying to take their job and make them get out of baseball. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a different environment. It's, you know, obviously a pretty stressful, it's a game, but there's a lot of stress that comes with that, and a lot of expectations, and um, it's a long path. I mean, rookie ball, low A, high A, double A, triple A. I mean, there's a lot of lo- like hoops you got to jump through. Um, it can be pretty stressful.
2: So you might be able to answer this, you might not. To get you out of here on this one and and end the show is when it comes to having that around here. Have you had the triple A players try to reach out to you or or? are you still growing that side of your business
0: we don't have any uh any royals players here nope uh, you know we got some like obviously myers and 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 povich and those guys but no one with the royals yet so and hopefully do you, do you think it's something where you have
2: to connect with like direct royals or do you think obviously seeing someone like a povich and a myers and obviously you know those guys have success is something that's going to come back and and maybe show that, you know, there's some learning that can happen here more than anything.
0: I, you know, I don't know. Um, to be honest, like in season, they got stuff going on. I mean, they have an indoor facility and everything. and But realistically, none of those guys live in Omaha throughout the year. I mean, they're going to call home probably, you know, wherever their spring training complex is or wherever they grew up. So I think, you know, the more so the guys we see are the guys that are local guys. Um, the guys from here that live here in the off season. Um, I don't know if, if there'll ever be a thing where, you know, in season you'll see a professional guy up in here. Yeah. Well, hopefully we make some connections. (laughs) We greatly
2: appreciate again, Marty Cordero start staying with us and giving us the lowdown of not just baseball. That's what I love is we're not stuck. You're not like you have to talk this one topic, but we got baseball, we got soccer and we just have the fact of, We're just looking to help people find development places and places you can call home. Like you got to have that warm feeling in order to know that in order to succeed, you got people above you that want you to succeed. And that's the one thing that I think you stress here. Obviously we heard it when you asked Marty, his question of, you know, the development, you know, it's beyond the game. And if, if you, if you're a parent out there and you just think that, you know, the regular game is something that's going to teach your kid. You got to make sure that the environment's right for that kid and not every coach is for every kid. And I think that's one thing that I really like about here is you, you have a, a little variety of a few different routes for people to go. So don't be afraid to reach out. Once again, we appreciate you joining Wired Access and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See ya.